Father, thank you for the way that you have loved us, the, the way that you pursue us, the way that you give so much to us. You have withheld nothing in giving us your own son. I pray that we would be a people that don't withhold from you our lives or our calendars or our bank accounts or our children or our spouses, but that we would hold everything in front of you with open hands. I pray that that would mark us out as a people. It's in your son's name and the sons and daughters would pray. Amen. All right. Um, we have been going through the year of biblical literacy. We want to take our church through the whole book from start to finish. We can't do every book. There's only 52 Sundays in a year and 66 books in a Bible, so there's no way you're, you're going to do that. But we want to give the big strokes of what's going on and how to work through this. And today we want to talk about Proverbs and how to read Proverbs. If you're in the reading that we're currently doing, you're reading Proverbs right now. And you're going, wow, there's some you know, hard stuff in there, good stuff in there, and I agree. But ultimately, Proverbs is doing this thing where... It's bringing order to things. And it's saying that there is a God who ordered creation, you know, Genesis 1 and 2, where everything's laid out in an orderly way. If you haven't seen that before, if you remember back to the beginning of this whole year of biblical literacy, you know, God creates the light and the dark, and then he creates the sea and the sky, and then he creates the land, and then he fills all of those things the next three days. The light and dark get the sun, moon, and stars. The sea and the sky get the fishies and the birdies. The land gets animals and man. And so he forms three days and then fills the next three days. There's this order in his universe. And Proverbs is saying, yes, and that order is also to be found within you. That there is an ordered life as well as an order to creation. One theologian said it this way. Proverbs develops the truth of creation. Genesis 1-2. Taught the creation of an orderly and beautiful world. Proverbs teaches the creation of an orderly and beautiful life. If Yahweh is the creator, man must learn to live in harmony with the order that the creator ordained. This is wisdom indeed. He's saying God created an order. And it's man lining himself up to that order and coming in alignment with it. You guys ever, like, uh, been in a car that had misalignment? Some of you didn't even realize your car was unaligned. But if you were going down the road and you were sitting there going, like that, but there's no gravel road, but your car's like, you know, that's a misaligned car. It's just bumpy. It doesn't go right. And what, what the Proverbs is saying like, is let's bring alignment to your life into this order in the wrong way. It, it doesn't go out of alignment. It doesn't find yourself shaken in the wrong ways. And so there is a breakdown to Proverbs. Um, it's hard to see it if you're just kind of going through and picking and choosing which one, like a fortune cookie. Those are for some other cultures. But like, Proverbs in the Jewish culture, it's not supposed to be taken like a fortune cookie. You're like, break this one open. And, oh, cool. This is, you know, that, that's not the way it works. It's here to teach you order. And so chapters 1 through 9 are essentially these speeches from a father to a son and how it works. And it doesn't mean it's only for the dudes, right? Just, just it's, it's for everybody. But it's a speech from a father to a son. By the way, you guys hot? Okay. I forgot to mention this. The AC's out. So it's just going to be the way it is today. All right? Just enjoy it. Embrace it. BO's not horrible. So 1 through 9 is instructions from a father to a son. Depending on how theologians break it down. Some people say it's 10 speeches. Uh, a guy I read and love for the Old Testament, Tremper Longman, says that it's 17 speeches. Uh, nevertheless, it's, it's 
father to a son. Here's my instructions to you. And essentially challenging him to seek wisdom. And then there's 10 through 31, which are a whole bunch of wise and almost par- riddles and par- like, like these things that you have to like think through and sit on and it doesn't come instantly, especially in Hebrew. It's a lot more complicated than Hebrew. Sometimes we get a bonus because the translators have also done interpretive work for us and given us some, some answers to these, but the individual collective proverbs are from 10 to 31. And so I think one of the things I wanted to say about Proverbs is it's best to understand Proverbs as probabilities and not as promises. Sometimes people have taken Proverbs and said, look, it says, if I heed my father's instruction, then I will have long life. And so if you want a long life, listen to your dad. And now it's not saying, here's what, it's not saying that if you're a good son, you'll never get cancer. It's, it's not saying that. It's just saying, if you listen to what your dad says, you're probably not going to get smacked upside the head. Right? There's a probability that if you don't listen to a father as wise, good advice, that your life may be cut short. That's probable. But it's not promises. And one of the things we have to do is understand the genre of scripture we're in. And when we come to Proverbs and we turn to that and we go, oh, see, look, this says this. And maybe we take it as a promise. And we build our life on that as though it's a promise. You're setting yourself up for failure. The other thing is, we've had skeptics and people who look at the Bible and look at Proverbs and go, see, it says this, and we all know that's not true. How could you believe it? Well, it's not there to be a promise. It's there to say, here's how life works. And so we need to understand that they are probabilities and not promises. But what ultimately Proverbs is doing is unfolding for us a path. And over and over and over again, in fact, over 25 times in that first section, one to nine, where a father's giving instruction to his son, it appears over 25 times, this word path. In Hebrew, it's the word derek. And so it means this, there's this path to seek. Remember the alignment thing. There's this, there's this place that you're trying to align your life up with and seeking that path and finding that path and taking that path. And that alignment is what it's looking for. And so that's one of the things that you'll notice as you read through Proverbs is this idea of a path that's to take. And as you're on that path, I wanted to look at the very last speech he gives in chapter 9. So I'm going to read it. I'll put it up here on the screen. I want to read for you Proverbs 9. And then I want to break down the proverb, and I want to show you something that's incredible because I seriously think that today, if we listen and understand you will walk away with a question that will completely and utterly change your life, your age. High school students, listen to me. You've watched a lot of people your age wreck their life by doing stupid things. If you can learn to ask the question that we're going to give you today, it will totally change the course of your life. And I'm not joking. I'm not underselling this. It will totally transform the way you move forward going into college and into your other years. Married people, if you can learn to ask the question that we're going to see today, it will transform your marriage. I promise you. And it will guard your path from some ways that you don't want to go down. So let's, let's dig in. Let's find out what this question actually is. Chapter 9. It's going to contrast two ways and two women. And so we gotta, I want you to see this. Um, 
And the reader, by the way, if you've been reading through Proverbs, you're already introduced to these two women. It's the woman wisdom and the woman folly. And so both are going to invite the reader into a relationship. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So you have this picture of a woman calling out to you, hey, come in here and dine, right? And so there's something really, really important about this. The seven pillars, let's go back to verse one here. I want you to see this. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. So there's this idea. She built this house in a seven pillars. In, in Hebrew thought, seven is this idea of completement, completing. It's it's idea of like she has this mansion, this incredible, beautiful house. And then she has slaughtered her beast, which means that like meat is going to be served, right? Remember that moment in um, Lord of the Rings where the orcs are like, meat's back on the table, boys, right? That, that's, that's what's going on here. Meat is on the table. And it's going to be a feast. And then the wine is mixed, and it's for celebration. And so you have this woman who's saying, hey, come into the house. Have some meat. Have some wine. Listen, if you're in an ancient Near Eastern culture, and a woman's inviting you over for dinner, Al Green's playing on the radio. All right? Some of you are like, who's Al Green? Just go look it up, you know. (laughs) It's baby making music. That's all I'm going to say. Right? But like, she's inviting you together. There is an intimacy to the invitation. And so she's saying, Come, let's dine together. Now, I want you to see where this home is built. Keep going. Verse three. She has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever's simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Did, did I skip? Hold on. Did I skip that? No. Yeah, so she, it, she's going from the highest place. So she's built her house in the highest place. Now, now go from, because the women she's sending out, she's sending them from the highest place in town. Verse 5. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Lead your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. And so she's inviting them to her home, which is a mansion for a big feast. And this home is set on the highest place. In ancient Near Eastern thought and in Jewish thought, we understand where did you, what did you place at the highest place but the temple? This is a place of worship. And she's saying, you come and worship in here. And Lady Wisdom is calling for this son to come and dine with her. There's an intimacy that's being asked for there. All right? And so I just want you to see from like another example of this is Proverbs 8. Um, verse 7, um, or am I reading this right? Let's see. Yeah, Proverbs 8, verse 1. Here we go, verse 1. This is the, this is the voice of wisdom. Right? She's talked about in multiple places. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. So it's the crossroads she's at. It's, it's the place where decisions are made that she stands. The gates, the entry points, that's where she stands. And that's where her voice calls out. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. 
O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They're all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. She is beautiful, and to be sought, this woman wisdom. That's what Proverbs continually comes back to about this woman. Now, as you keep reading through 9, there's this, essentially this interlude between the two. And this interlude that, that goes on is essentially building to one point. And it's the point of where wisdom, it's going to compare the wise and the foolish person and, and build to this point. But here's what, it, here's what it says. Whoever corrects a scoffer, a person who lacks wisdom, gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove, reprove or correct a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. See, it's contrasting the wise from the fool, the wise from the scoffer. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. And then here it builds to what is essentially the theme text in all of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It's saying this idea that, like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This verse, I just want to read these to you. This, this line of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom appears in 129, 25, 37, 8, 13, 9, 10, 10, 27, 14, 2, 26, and 27, 15, 16, and 33, 16, 6, 19, 23, 22, 4, 23, 17, 24, 21, 28, 14, 29, 25, and 31, 30. If you're new to the Bible stuff, I was just reading out locations in the Bible where that's mentioned. All right? And specifically in Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge. And you're like, man, this just doesn't, to me, I, I read that sometimes and I was like, why, why do I have to be afraid of him? And it's not talking about living in terror of God. It's understanding our right place in the universe. Listen, I promise you that even my daughter is afraid of me in the right ways. She understands that, like, to violate things, I, I'm the one who can bring justice to the home. I'm the one that can correct, reprove, change. And so it's not an unhealthy fear. I mean, do you realize to get rid of all fear is insane, right? I mean, you should be afraid of fire. If you're not, you're dumb. I mean, you're what Proverbs would call a fool. Fear is healthy. It's a rational fear that's not. Like if you're afraid of spiders, Kelly, and, and you... <laughs> You, you just run at the sight of them and think that they're following you and stalking you. That's an irrational fear from a story shared this past week. And so, like, but, but if there is a, a real scary that we ought to be afraid of, we ought to be afraid of Google. It's scary. We ought to be afraid of fire. We ought not be afraid of of. of Irrational, but fear is a healthy thing and a good thing. And this is talking about the healthy fear. To fear the one who made you. To fear the one who can correct and who's in control of all. It's understanding our right place in the world, that he is God and I am not. And the sage 
in Proverbs understands his proper place in that. And the bottom line is that there is no wisdom apart from a relationship with God. And so it says at 11 and 12, For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. Again, probable, not promise. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. It's saying this thing of wisdom and foolery, it's for you and you alone. And so it then moves to the contrast, the woman of wisdom to begin, the woman of foolishness at the end. And I want you to see this. The woman of folly, she's loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. Again, at the high places, right? And notice she's sitting, not standing. So there's this idea of laziness that plays itself out all the way through Proverbs, and it's almost put in here. And she is calling, in verse 15, she's calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says. And by the way, that's the exact same phrase, right? The simple, let them turn in here. That's exactly what woman of wisdom said. In fact, it's the same wording. And so it's the same call. The call of wisdom and the call of foolishness is the same call. They both sit at the crossroads. They both sit at the entry points or stand at the entry points. And she calls out and says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Sheol for a Hebrew person was the place of the dead. And so while she calls out, her place is calling into a place of death. That she's offering bread, which we would think would give life, but no, it actually brings death. And so the writer of Proverbs is is drawing at the end of this first section at nine, he's drawing this thing and saying, there are two women and they are both calling out for your attention. And there is this clear thing that the woman of folly is saying, it's a seductive woman saying, come in here and come and see and understand what I want for you. Now, Proverbs 5, just so you can see this, where she's talked about in another place, I I just wanted you to see this. Proverbs 5, verse 3. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech, listen to this, guys, listen, girls, listen, guys, listen. Her speech is smoother than oil. It's like, oh, yeah. She's got all the right words. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, not good. Sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to Sheol, she does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it, the path of life. She knows death. So it's, it's drawing this, here's what I want you to see. It's drawing this contrast between the woman of wisdom and the woman of folly. And it's saying that these women stand at the crossroads. What's a crossroads? It's a decision point, right? That's what a crossroads is. And it, it, it's, it's saying that there is no middle ground here. There's no stopping. You, you're going to arrive to a crossroads, and you're going to make a decision. And at some point in your life, you're going to come to a point where you make decisions, and this happens all the time. And you have to make a decision. And the geniusness of Proverbs and of the Scriptures is that it's saying, here's your choice. Your choice 
It's not just simply, is this right or is this wrong? No, the choice is much more profound than this, and this gets to our question. The choice is, is this wise or is this foolish? And that's what the writer of Proverbs is saying. Wisdom and taking that path leads to life. And foolishness, that's going to find your way to death. But these two women call out to you at the crossroads, both with the same call and both saying, come in here and let's get it on. Right? That's what those two things are calling out. And the choice that we're presented with is, where do we want to go in and be intimate? Where do we want to go in and have a relationship? You're like, well, isn't it bad for like both women to be saying, like, come over to my house, come in, be with me? Not if one is the right relationship to be in. And the writer of Proverbs is essentially saying one is the one you were created for and designed for and meant to be with, and the other one, she's an adulterous woman, don't go into her. But you were made to be in relationship with wisdom. There's an orderedness to your life that you're supposed to be in. Not with the adulterous woman. With foolery, foolishness. And so, here's what I want to let you understand. You have a choice. And there is no middle ground. Which woman will you develop a relationship with? And it's going to come from you asking a different question than the one we tend to ask. We tend to ask the question, is this right or is this wrong? Should I do it or should I not do it? What's the right thing to do? See, there's a big problem with that because that question doesn't answer most of the questions we face. It just doesn't. Unmarried guys, this is my question. Like, think about this. Is it right or is it wrong to hang out with your lady friend and watch Netflix alone in the dark under a blanket with no one else around. Is that wrong? You're like, no, no. In fact, you defend it. You'd be like, this isn't wrong. And is it right? And you're like, well, I, don't, I don't know. It's not a good question. In fact, that question is not going to work for most of the things that we do in life. Should I buy this car? Is it right or wrong to buy the car or a truck? Is this this right or is this wrong? Listen, you can't ask that question because that can't give you the answer. Here's the question the writer of Proverbs is trying to get us to ask, and this question will change your life, I promise. Is this wise? Watch how that works. Guys, I'm just going to talk to you for a second. Is that cool? Can we do that, guys? Man to man. Is it wise to be alone with your someone special under the blankets at night alone watching Netflix? We're just watching Netflix and chilling. That's all. That's all we're doing. Is it wise to do that? Yes or no? No, I got a lot of no's shaking back. No, no, that ain't wise. Because you're sitting at a crossroads. And there's two voices calling out to you at this point in time. And one way leads to life and one way leads to death. And man, her words drip with honey and are smooth as oil. You tell a girl that, man. (laughs) But but listen, they're calling out to you. And they're saying, come, be with me. And those of you and all of us who choose to enter a relationship with foolishness will find ourselves at a place of death. 
But those of us who choose a path of wisdom and we learn to start asking this question, it will totally change the way we live our life. So I want to encourage you to stop asking the question of is this right or wrong. Now look, if you're going to like consider, should I murder this person or not? That's wrong, right? <laughs> don't, don't do that. There's a few questions that are right and wrong. But like most of the questions in life, is it wise? Should I do this? And understanding that it's not just increasing in your knowledge that's going to fix something. It's applying that knowledge and choosing to be wise and that changes things. And I want, as we finish here, band's going to come up and I just, I want to remind you of one thing. Both Women's homes sat at the high places. They both sat at the high places. They, 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 they were essentially calls to where will you worship? At what altar will you bow down? To wisdom, which is the voice of Yahweh, or to foolishness, which is the voice of every false idol that we would seek to make God. And so I I want you guys to think about and consider the fact that both, both are competing for a place in your life. Both are competing to be the voice in your life. But only one of those voices leads to life. Only one of those will bring you into alignment with the human being you were created to be. The other will lead you sad, used, and feeling like you're in death, in Sheol. And so I want to encourage you to start asking a different question, to seek the paths of life, to choose wisdom rather than foolishness, and to listen to a different voice. Because her voice is calling out at every crossroads, both of them, both voices. And so, I'd like to invite you now to a time of communion. If you'd stand. I think that there's something incredible about this and how this comes back to Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus would say, I am the way, the path. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the means and the way. He is wisdom. He is the path of life. And it is listening to her voice that will bring you to him. And so as you come down and participate in the bread and the cup, in the way of Jesus, that's what we're doing every time we take communion, is participating in the way of Jesus. You're participating in the way of wisdom. May you hear her voice calling you to the table. Come and take, for this bread is free, and this wine costs you nothing because it cost him everything. But it's been freely paid for you. So come, you're invited. Break part of this bread to dip into the cup and take what's been offered for you, the way of Jesus. Communion's open, please come. Prayer is also open on the sides. Please come, let them pray over you this morning.